All Saints Day is the day in the life of the church when we are intentional about celebrating the mighty cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. It is a day for us to feel joy in the promises of new creation and resurrection. It's also a day that it's okay for us to feel sadness as we remember the people who made our lives brighter. In order to honor those who have gone to worship in the temple not built by human hands, we will be lighting candles as a visible reminder of the light of their lives and of their ongoing presence through the Spirit. We begin by remembering those who have died in the past year that were closest to our community, the people that we were fortunate enough to call family or friends. Their lives have changed our own, and their presence will live on through us. Lord, hear our prayer of thanks for the lives of Leonard Strickland, Bob Blanchard, and Elsa Schneider. Lord, we also remember those who have died for your name's sake. We honor those who died carrying your gospel to the world. In honor of them, we remember in particular the Salvadoran priest, Father Walter Vasquez Jimenez. Adonai, we also remember our elder siblings in the faith who died in your house of worship. We grieve for the continued assaults on your holy people as we remember David Rosenthal, Cecil Rosenthal, Richard Gottfried, Jerry Rabinowitz, Irving Younger, Daniel Stein, Joyce Feinberg, Bernice Simon, Sylvan Simon, Melvin Wax, and Rose Mallinger. Finally, Lord, we remember the lives of those who have left a lasting impact on your church universal. Through their witness and their spirit, your holy church has been transformed in ways that will echo through time. Hear our prayers as we remember the Reverend Billy Graham, the Reverend Dr. James Cohn, Bishop L. Bevel Jones III, the Reverend Dr. Katie Cannon, the Reverend Eugene Peterson, and Father Thomas Keating. Eternal God, we take comfort in the promises of new creation. We know that although we mark a goodbye with our brothers and sisters in faith, 
it is not the final goodbye. We trust to your mercy, our loved ones. We look forward to the day when we will see them again and worship forever in your love and peace. Amen. Our third scripture this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your word this morning and for the promises of your new creation. As we reflect on your promises, let your spirit reside within us. Amen. What is it that comes to mind when you think about heaven? I imagine that for many of us, the images are similar to those that dominate pop culture. Pearly gates, a big bearded man, clouds, harps, wings, and halos. And admittedly, some of these images do come from the prophetic visions, but I don't know how well they actually prepare us for the new heaven and the new earth that God is creating. I say this because prophecy is highly metaphorical language. It's not so much telling us this is exactly what it will be, but more that this is like what it will be. When we're talking about the new creation, this approximate language is the best that we can do. 
because we're talking about an existence unlike our own. We're trying to capture the infinite majesty of the kingdom within our finite language. When I look at the promises about the new creation, then, I find it most rewarding to consider the values that are being expressed in the visions of the prophets. If we look at the words of Isaiah, the first thing that we see repeated over and over again is a sense of joy. Be glad and rejoice. I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. Joy defines the entire passage. Everything that follows expands on what a joyful world is going to look like. What this means for us is that joy is an eternal quality of the divine. In this life, we experience sorrow, loss, depression, and frustration, but these things do not define us. In the midst of such feelings, it can be hard to see any other way of being, but the promises of God offer hope for something else. The word of God says that what is intended, indeed what is promised for humanity, is deep, abiding joy. So, what does this world of deep, abiding joy look like? First, no more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days, or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. We're reminded in this promise that the God we serve is a God of life. And in our current political discourse, we often hear the phrase pro-life thrown about. Well, there's no doubt that our God is pro-life, but what people mean when they say pro-life and what it means for God to be pro-life aren't necessarily the same thing. Pro-life has to be more than a concern for unborn life. Being pro-life must also include care for people who do not have access to steady food. It has to mean making sure that all people have access to health care. It means making sure that no one dies because they don't have a safe place to rest their head. In the kingdom of God, there is joy because all people are guaranteed a life of health and wholeness. Next, they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit, says the prophet, before concluding, they shall not labor in vain. In other words, the greed of our economic systems will no longer exist. For Isaiah, this prophecy is a rejection of the imperial structure that saw the labor of the working class exploited by kings and administrators. The laborers of the field harvested crops while their families went hungry. The builders worked on extravagant palaces while their neighbors had nowhere to live. And the words of the prophet ring true in our day as CEOs like Jeff Bezos amass more wealth than any individual in history while 
their employees struggle to feed their families or find affordable housing. The words of the prophet ring true as industrial nations strip developing countries of their resources, resulting in global poverty, insecurity, and a migration crisis unparalleled in human history. In the kingdom of God, there is joy because the exploitation of the working class will be no more. Then, they shall not bear children for calamity or terror. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. As I have said, our God is a God of life. This extends to the very essence of nature in the kingdom. Children shall not know terror. Some of the most striking images from the last century to be captured on film are images of terror. From the trenches of the First World War to burning villages in Vietnam to the ruined cities of Syria and Yemen, we have seen the searing images of children in the most horrifying hellscapes that humanity can produce. Never again, declares the Lord, will such violence be known on the earth. More than that, a life without terror means a life where no one lives in fear. Indeed, peace shall reign to such an extent that predators and prey will live alongside one another. In the kingdom of God, there is joy because violence will be replaced with peace. And the good news is that, is that this world of joy, life, prosperity, and peace is being made all around us. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating, declares the Lord. The act of creation is not something done in the past, nor is it something that will be done in the future. It is something that God is actively doing now. What this means for us is that the fulfillment of the promise is both a present and future reality. It is something that will be accomplished fully in the future and is also being accomplished in the present. This is truly good news because it means we have the chance to be co-creators with God. We have the incredible opportunity to labor with God in bringing about the new creation. Which brings us to the crucial question, how? How do we get involved as co-creators with God? We're fortunate enough to have a special chance to participate in kingdom building in just a few days. Get out and vote. Participate in the process of determining the path our nation will take. And I'm not going to tell you to vote for any party or candidate, but I would ask that as you prepare to cast your vote, you wrestle with how to do so in an ethically responsible way. Ask whether the vote you are casting is making the world a more loving place, a more compassionate place, a more just place. Do not let fear guide you, but instead be guided by the joy of the kingdom. 
It's not enough, though, for us to cast our vote and be content with our involvement in creating the kingdom. We have to engage in everyday activism. If there is a cause you support, something that you're passionate about, something that God is calling you to do, then find others who are passionate and join them. Your ministry could be organizing others to preserve the environment for future generations or feeding your neighbors, or bringing an end to violence, or any cause that is close to your heart. You are doing the work of God when you advocate for a world that reflects the peace and joy of the kingdom. And if you don't yet have a cause that you feel strongly about, then spend time learning about the different ways that you can participate in the kingdom. Look through the social principles of the church to learn the teachings that we have on social issues ranging from education to sexual harassment to warfare. Explore the resources made available by the General Board of Church and Society or groups like the Methodist Federation for Social Action. Because if you look long enough, you're going to find something that God is calling you to be involved with. We have the promise of a kingdom to come. But I would argue that the greater blessing is the chance to live like we are in the kingdom now. We have the incredible opportunity to work with our creator in creating the new heavens and the new earth. As we remember the cloud of witnesses on this All Saints Day, we are reminded of those who have already been a part of this mighty project. May their witness inspire us to keep on building. Amen. <laughs>